This program on AM 1170, The Answer, is sponsored by Allied Media Group. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred seven pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Good evening and welcome to the Andrea K Show. It is eight p.m. out here on the West Coast, West Coast, East Coast. Remember that whole '90s like whole rap thing going on. Well, it's the West Coast out here, right here in the San Diego KCBQ studios. I am joined here tonight in the studio by DJ Carrot Sticks. Hello. <laughs> was that Adele or was that, um, what was the guy, the, the, Nic- Lionel Richie? Lionel Richie. Does she owe him some money? Cause she stole the title of his song. I think so. Yeah. Anyway, well, so glad to, to have you guys here with me. Hopefully you all are, are, hopefully everybody's out there with me tonight. Hopefully they didn't eat too much on Thanksgiving, Todd, and render themselves incapacitated and unable to, to listen and join in tonight. Clearly, I hope everybody's recovered by Monday. I hope everybody had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Um, I'm already setting my sights on my favorite holiday of the year, and that's Christmas. In fact, you're going to want to stay tuned later in the show because I've got a great interview with none other than David Limbaugh, who's written a phenomenal book uh, called The Emmaus Code about Jesus. And, and what it does is it really connects together in a way I really haven't heard before the Old Testament and the New Testament. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that. Um, we're going to be talking about a lot of things tonight. We're going to be talking about everything from climate change or global warming or whatever the heck they're calling it these days. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what's happening over in Syria and Turkey. We're going to talk about what's happening here in the States. This is a whole lot of stuff happening with the GOP race and other things here in America. I got to thinking, though, I have had I got to thank all y'all who've been sending me all these memes today, just really making fun and mocking Obama for going over there and participating. He didn't go in into Paris and France after the first attacks at Charlie Hebdo and, and lock arms with everybody in a, in a rally and a march against terrorism, but he's over there in a march against an even greater threat that we face, supposedly, than the radical Islamists who are launching a worldwide caliphate terrorism on Western civilization like never before imagined. No, he's actually over there attempting to protect us all and protect the world against the greatest threat that we face, climate change. And, you know, as as much as I have laughed today over the memes that people have done and, and sent to me, I would laugh for a second and then I get really, really angry, really angry, not only at the fact that we have a president of the United States who would be over there propagating that kind of stupidity, but the fact that it's a real symptom of a deeper problem that we have, that we actually have the real threat that we face here in America and the world is an American citizenry that would be so stupid as to believe that. And why are they buying into anything President Obama and the left is saying? It's the lure of Marxism. That's the real threat that we face. We face an American population that is so bought into the utopian mindset, the utopian dream of Marxism, that it's like they're crack cocaine. It's literally like a drug. Because when you get, when you start taking drugs as a way to escape from reality, because you want that high, you're, you're willing to sacrifice 
your own safety, your own personal freedoms, your own liberties, and you allow yourself to get enslaved to whatever it is that you that whatever that drug is that you think is going to give you that high and remove anything bad that might that might possibly happen in life. So the American people, he wouldn't be over there talking such nonsense if the American people hadn't bought into his nonsense and the nonsense of the left that's been promoted through a complicit propagandist media and an education system that has allowed the Amer- that has been teaching and propagandizing to the American people that the drug of Marxism is going to cure every problem in the world and provide them the high that is the utopia of Marxism. What does that have to do with climate change? Well, because the whole idea behind Marxism is that if the American people or any citizenry is willing to abdicate their life to a government that's going to control every aspect of their life, that that government is basically going to, they actually believe that there is no evil in the world. They think that there's only circumstances that need to be controlled. And the government is going to control all those circumstances and make sure that everything is perfect. By controlling what cars we drive, telling us what food we're allowed to eat, by taking guns away, supposedly through gun control, that's supposed to remove all the crime in the streets, by controlling our thermostats, by by telling us what size house we can buy, by manipulating every aspect of our lives, that suddenly that that's going to make everything bad go away. And too many American people have bought into this by controlling the marketplace, by telling business owners what they can pay people and what they're forced to pay people. And, of course, there's no money to pay for any of this. But the American people have bought into this notion, the utopianism, that they're willing to buy into the stupidity of it. They're willing to actually believe that climate change is a bigger issue than radical Islam. They're willing to buy into the fact that, that, that by controlling speech, that they can control away anything bad that could possibly happen, and that speech actually is the cause of bad things happening in life. And, of course, it's only conservative speech that they want to try to control. It reminds me, it actually reminds me of this song from the 70s. Let me see if you guys remember this. Furnish it with love, grow apple trees, honey bees, and Oh, everything would just be so lovely. Let me just take a hit off that crack pipe, and I can escape from the reality of life. I'm going to ignore the fact. Of course, it's not being the, the reality of Marxism, and the reality is that it's a system. Putin is trying to educate the American people that socialism or Marxism has never worked anywhere, and that for President Obama and the left of the United States to be trying to push this down the throats of Americans, he literally said President Obama must be trying to destroy the American economy. And he absolutely is. And so is the left. They've got to train. They've got to destroy it so that they can transform it into the Marxist utopian. We're going to take a break. We can come back. We're going to get into a little bit of this. One of the things we're going to talk about is the Planned Parenthood, supposed Planned Parenthood shooting that actually probably was a bank robbery situation that got wrong uh, and went wrong and ended up in Planned Parenthood. But of course, that's being exploited for what control, because that's what liberalism is all about. So they're going to try to use the situation to propagate some other notions that we got to what control speech. We got to control guns and then maybe nobody will ever get shot. So stay with us. We've got more to talk about here on the Andrea K show. Thank you for joining me tonight. Don't change that dial.
Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Want to start living better, longer? La Vida Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's best local pharmacy, LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990. I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen and Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen and Bath, 858-271-8434, or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657 Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. You're listening to the Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to the Andrea K Show. Hey, before the break, I was talking about really my concerns over everything that's, you know, tying all these stories together to me in terms of just a, a power play for control. And whenever, I don't remember who it was who said that let no, you know, a tragedy or crisis go uncapitalized on. I can't remember the actual quote. I think it was Rahm Emanuel. Maybe maybe DJ Carrot Sticks can look that up for me. But it's really all about control. That's what it's about. And I feel as though, I, I got to be honest, over when the story broke about the, quote, Planned Parenthood shooting, it was over the holiday weekend. I was really busy doing stuff like making my cornbread dressing and my pecan pie, doing some Black Friday shopping. So I really wasn't totally on top of the story. So I've got a guest tonight. Austin Dove, criminal defense attorney, trial attorney, former prosecutor. He graduated from like a top, the top law school here in San Diego, USD. And so I've got him coming on the show tonight to get me up to speed as to what actually happened here. Austin, welcome to the Andrea K. Show. Well, thank you, Andrea. Okay, so I'm hearing conflicting reports about what happened with this. I'm hearing, of course, it's being referred to as the Planned Parenthood shooting, but I'm hearing that that's not actually true, Austin, that it actually, what happened was he was seen around a bank and it got basically chased and he ran into a Planned Parenthood facility. What do you know? Yeah, it, it seems that, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's an evolving investigation. Uh, it, it looks like he had, intentions on ending up at the Planned Parenthood because uh, he made statements to investigators after the fact while he's being you know brought in and arrested that we're talking about baby parts and, and express some extreme views about the Planned Parenthood location so well, can I, well let me intention to end up well mm-hmm. well how do we know that that was his intention though because you know you're a former prosecutor is it not possible we actually had a case here the Stephanie Crow case I think it was in San Diego to where they got a confession out of a kid. I mean, uh, that's one of many cases to where you can get somebody to can, depending on this style of, of interrogation that's going on, it's it's worse than a push pole. You know, they can actually coerce a confession out of an innocent person. So 
the fact that he said some stuff about pan- Planned Parenthood could just be the fact that he's been paying attention to those videos. It doesn't necessarily mean that it, that it had anything to do with his intentions that day. You're absolutely right about that, Andrea. In fact, so often the person who's who's arrested, they become opportunistic. Um, I mean, he could have been, listen, the man moved to Colorado all the way from South Carolina. He had some troubles in South Carolina. He's a crazed individual. He's living out somewhere in a very rural area purchased a plot of land, a plot of land for $6,000, and then he had a he lot got a, of... Wait, wait, wait. He got, a, he got a lot of land for six grand. I need to move I need to move there, because, yeah. Austin, we ain't getting no <laughs> land for six grand here in Southern California, are we? Uh, no such place. It doesn't exist. Like, it doesn't <laughs> exist. But then at the same time, you you run the risk of having a neighbor like this person. You don't want that. So uh, it, it's, it's really... Um, but, when it, when it, you know, when you, you have to ask the question when you, when you kind of lead up to... You, I think you really... You really hit the nail when you said, you know, here's someone, you know, we don't know what his, his, you know, um, ideas are, his political ideations are, but we know what he did. Ultimately gets involved in a shootout. uh, uh, An officer gets killed. Two other individuals are gunned down. Several individuals are injured. He had this um, intent to do this because he was armed to do that. Um, so it starts to sort of turn toward what's the penalty going to be? And we ask, we ask this question all the time. The mental health question comes up. Well, he's not mentally well. Should we seek a death penalty? Should there be some other sort of innovation, I mean, you know, intervention that would come into play that would, you know, sort of derail it from the death penalty? But that is going to come up. And, and, and he, he is death penalty eligible based upon the offense, on the number of victims. There's not going to be a lot of sympathy for for his story, especially when it, he appeared in court and seemed cognizant, answered the judge's questions, and everything looked like he planned this whole episode out. So it's going to be really, really uh, severe for him going down the line. Right. Well, you know, one of the things that really concerns me, I'm glad you mentioned the victims, Austin, because today the storyline on every news outlet is all about the the people from Planned Parenthood coming out acting as though they're the victims. Talking about how um, the rhetoric is just too harsh from the pro-life community. And, you know, I don't know what this man's motives were. Even if his even if he got up that day and said, I'm going to go and shoot up some people to Planned Parenthood, that means just in and of itself, the guy's off his rocker. I'm part of the pro-life community. And first, I don't want anybody trying to hang this on me. It's like you said, it's his own individual responsibility. But I really resent anybody from the Planned Parenthood community trying to act as though their organization is the victim. And oh, by the way, I really think, Austin, all of that is meant to not only does it take away from the the true victims in the situation who really deserve our prayers as well as the families of the victims. But, you know, it's meant to me. It makes me feel as though what the, and what I really think that's about is it's trying to silence those of us in, in the pro-life community. And I don't try to silence anybody who's pro-choice. So I don't I don't appreciate this situation being exploited to try to get over um, other people's First Amendment rights. 
Well, I completely understand. I agree with that. Um, you know, what's, what's really interesting about it is I think some of these things, we kind of have to break them up into finer parts because Planned Parenthood, you know, it's sort of like it's become this kind of bell cry. It's, it's you know, uh, it's, it's symbolic. It's a symbolic organization. But if you parse out kind of some of the things that Planned Parenthood does, we don't like the unsavory things. We don't like the parts that are not, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, in, in, in line with our values. But the fact is also true that Planned Parenthood provides care for people who want to carry babies through term, provides other sort, uh, sorts of health care to women, provides, you know, contraceptives and other services. So it, even if whatever this individual's intention may be, because the services, the breadth of services is so so wide, um, you know, it's, it's targeting kind of everybody. So it, it, it doesn't, you know, and I, I see I definitely agree that, you know, no Groups should say, hey, look, you know, we get to be the victims now and mm-hmm. let's make this a rallying cry. They're targeting us because it's, it doesn't it's simply not that type of uh, event. The way it unfolded, the people, the, the individuals who are affected by this, who are touched by this. I mean, police officer of all folks from right. a university, right. you know, is, is one of the one of the people that is uh, gone down. So you really have to look at it really beyond just, you know, um, any kind of political agenda. I totally agree with you. Right. Um if you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Andrea K. Show here on AM 1170 KCBQ, and I am talking to Austin Dove, criminal defense attorney, trial attorney. I want to shift gears a little bit because there was an, there's been another shooting that's really been in the news, and, and there's actually been quite a few. Um, but the other big one that's caused some protest on the streets of Chicago was a police officer. A uh, video was released showing a 16-year-old who I guess was high on PCP, Angel Dust, maybe the same drug. And he was shot 16 times. The majority of those shots happened while he was already on the ground. He was walking away with a knife in his hand. I don't know why it took a year for charges to be filed against that police officer. But I got to tell you, Austin, I don't think that video should have been released. And I don't think it should have been released when it was. I think that there are times when you have to think about whether or not you're inciting and if not intentionally inciting and inflaming tensions and make better judgments than that. Am I wrong? Well, you know, here's the thing about media attention and FOIA requests. I mean, all of us, and even our conversation involves a lot of things that come into the public eye because of the media, you know, investigating and looking, you know, beyond what the surface reports may be. And that's where this came from. This video came out as a result of a FOIA request made by the media that said, look, you've got to show us this video. And it was initially obviously sealed. There was a settlement made before the video was released. And for the, you know, for Laquan, the the, the young man's family. Um, So all that was kind of done under wraps. Then there comes a request and then the video comes out. I agree that you've got to be very careful about how things come in the public eye. But today with cell phones, with videos everywhere, surveillance videos everywhere, these things are eventually going to hit the public I and when they do, there's going to be reaction. You've, you're, this is being released on the heels of so many other videos showing uh, young men of color being, you know, uh, in these situations with police officers. But, but see, um, well, know, let, me, let me interject there because see, the, the concern that I had with this particular situation is 
cop did a bad thing. We're all in a, supposedly innocent until proven guilty. But if the video tells the real story there, the guy should be charged with murder. And he has been. So really, I'm not really sure what the why this story Justice, you know, if if the rallying cry is no justice, no peace, there's justice here because the cops been charged. I don't know why it took a year to do it, but the right thing happened. So what's the protest for in a town, Austin, to where we find out, according to Breitbart News, as of November 23rd, there were 20, there have been 2,703 shootings this year in Chicago and 440 deaths. Um, that's an increase of 400 shootings, and that is, is is increase since Chicago implemented their violence tax in April of 2013. But they're protesting over, you know, obviously I don't believe that the, the 16-year-old should have been shot, but the officer has been charged. Meanwhile, there's no writings in the street, Austin, for the 2,700 shootings. So to me, in the community, it seems as though there's really some misplaced or selective outrage. Am I wrong? You're not wrong, but there's a very bright line between police misconduct and individuals that go at it in their own communities, kind of within their own race. You have these turf wars among gangs. You have, you know, people get settling scores, you know, rivalries that go way, way back in time. And those shootings, you're, you're right. We were calling it Chirac for a while. Those incidents are taking place every single day. People are losing their lives, their fatalities, their deaths. But when the government, and it's always going to be that divide, because when it looks like the government is overstepping its boundaries, taking a life or not caring, then that becomes an issue that arouses a lot of people's sentiments. And they get upset, they get angry, because really it's an, it's, it's an entity that you can kind of target and you can put your eyes on and say, I know who did this. It was a government. It was a police officer, someone who's got the authority. When you contrast that with some, you know, just a Put it bluntly, a gangbanger walking around with an edge or an attitude, there's really no relief from that. It's just right. part of the, you know, the, the, the uh, dynamic in the, in the area. So that's why you have this, this sort of what may seem like an overreaction when police officers are involved. And there's always been that tension between certain communities and police officers. Well, I wonder if, excuse me for interrupting, but we're starting to run short on time. I wonder if that tension is not exacerbated when you have a situation like in Ferguson where lies are propagated. There was no, according to witnesses and according to forensic evidence, uh, Michael Brown was the aggressor. There was no hands up, don't shoot. But because that lie was propagated in the media, it's one of the reasons why Chicago had the reaction that it did here. Same situation in Baltimore. You know, there was no, we didn't know what happened with Freddie Gray before it was automatically based upon what happened in Ferguson and some mistruths there. And then you got the Al Sharptons and you've got, at the time, you had Holder coming in, all propagating what ended up not even being true. So, you know, why, you know, I I call upon the community and say, you know, let's start applying and not fomenting and viewing, brushing everything with a broad brush that what we have actually, to be really blunt, is we have a community, Austin, that seems to be propagating the notion and actually has said these words that the police departments all across America have a target on young black men's backs. And I just don't think that that's matched with the evidence. And I think that that is really harmful to our society to continue to have that propagated. Am I wrong? Well, 
you're, listen, what, what, what's happening, what's kind of evolving from all this, the Black Lives Matter movements, all these police shootings, the fact that this is all now being looked at and examined more broadly is at least the beginning of a conversation and action. I mean, you take the University of Missouri situation. That was about other kinds of racial tension and issues on a campus environment that led to major, major problems in the way folks are being treated. So at least we're seeing now this sort of evolution of a conversation today in a, in a time where we think we're kind of post-racial, where some of these things are really being brought to light. I agree that it's it's sort of, you know, a lot of spin kind of has led us to these places where we're saying, hey, it looks like it's, you know, the police were wrong again and again. Uh, and a lot of times they're just kind of responding to situations that develop really, really quickly. Mm-hmm. So it's not to be putting it all in the laps of the police. It's not to put it all in the laps of the black community or the or minority community. It's really enough kind of blame to go around where everybody can sit down and start making some progress. A lot of change is coming up and it's it's being looked at from the top down mm-hmm. and we're going to see breakthroughs in this area that, La- that i take right. hope with last question for you do you have a problem with people saying all lives matter no i don't have a problem with that at all i think i think that that is you know it doesn't you know listen it's still gonna there's still gonna be the black lives matter there's still gonna be people that are going to talk about other you know groups that you know, whose lives matter all lives matter is kind of the the, the most um you know, complete way of, of, of stating it. It really is what we should all be thinking about everyone uh, and the way everyone's treated and not have any right. disregard for any life. Because if you say, look, a police officer is worth less or a black person's worth less or, or some other group is worth less, we get into problems. We can't devalue right. life this way. Right. That's it's- why I think that, it, you know, and Black Lives Matter started sort of sparked it. It's leading into all lives. And I think that that is the kind of progress I think we need to see happening. Well, I agree with you there. We need to we need to recognize that all lives matter. And that's one reason why I am an advocate against uh, hate crimes legislation, because I think it elevates some certain victims over others. I don't think that if I think all murder is is hate based. And I don't think that a black woman who is murdered by her husband that or strangled or, or shot in the face or whatever because she's black is any more tragic than if an Asian woman is or a Jewish woman or any other woman. You know, uh, so, you know, I think that's that's my perspective. I think it's it's equally tragic. Every victim is equal to me. And so I, I really I speak out for I am an advocate. I think in my mind, I'm an advocate for equality when I say that I'm against hate crimes legislation because it does elevate victims over others. But then I have people telling me that, you know, I, I I'm wrong in that. So anyway. But I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much for coming. And uh, how can people get more information about you? Well, I've got my website, DoveLawCorp.com and AustinDoveLaw.com. Um, plenty of uh, information out there on me in the public domain and, and be happy to, to speak with anybody who wants to uh, to further this dialogue. I, I applaud, by the way, that you're an advocate on, in these areas. We got This is the direction we need to take. All right. Thank you so much for being on. Have a great night, Austin, and Merry Christmas. You Thank you. Same to you, Andrea. All right. Okay, we're going to take a break, and we come back. We're going to shift gears a little bit. We're going to talk about the, okay, they want to say that, cl- that climate change is like the biggest threat we face. Well, you know what? We're going to talk about some recent reports that have come out about climate change. We're also going to talk about what's happening in ISIS and Syria. Oh, we got lots to cover here on the Andrea K. Show, so y'all stay with me. Get some coffee, because I am.
want more Andrea K, follow her on Twitter at Andrea K Show and like her Facebook page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. struggle with the day-to-day management of your business? Proteus takes the pain out of the business process management by providing you a complete system for efficiency, automation, continuity. Proteus is business solution that wraps itself around your business and grows with you. Gone are the days of multiple programs and systems for sales, inventory, customer management, and financial reporting. Proteus serves your business every day, all day, and revolutionizes the way you do business. Visit us today to see how Proteus can assist you online at www.proteuserp.com or call today 877-749-3533. Fresh Healthy Vending, the nation's largest healthy vending company, is looking for locations in this area to place its latest innovation. A fresh, healthy micromarket at absolutely no cost to your business. A fresh, healthy micromarket is like a mini health food store for your office break room. Choose from breakfast meals, fresh salads, wraps, hot meals, smoothies, cold-pressed juices, and more, all at a convenient self-checkout kiosk. Now you can offer your employees exactly what they want. All natural, healthy, fresh, and organic foods. Fuel productivity and creativity, decrease absenteeism, and increase morale. Fresh Healthy Vending is offering the first 20 offices that sign up $250 cash and 15% of the net profits each micromarket generates each month. For free information about this exciting and healthy opportunity, visit freshandhealthy.org to request your free machine. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to the Andrea K Show. And I don't know if you guys have noticed the theme and music tonight. These are anthems, city anthems. I heard a great anthem on the way in, so it gave me an idea. It was actually about New York. I need to get me back to the Big Apple and soon. Hey, uh, speaking of where I'm going to get, I'm going to be getting back here to the KCBQ studios tomorrow because I am adding Tuesday nights to the Andrea K lineup. I'm going to be here every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. from 8 to 9. So come spend Tuesday night with me as well. Yay! Yay me. I got to say a thank you again to Austin Duff for coming on the Andrea K. Show. What a gentleman. I love an African-American man who's actually willing to look at things from an objective, intellectually honest standpoint. And um, could be that he went to a top school here in San Diego at USD. Um, smart man he is. And you know who else is smart? Uh, a guy named Craig Idso, Ph.D., he's a climatologist, one of the world's leading experts in the effects of carbon dioxide on plant animal life, and he's the chairman of the Center for the Study of Carbon Dioxide and Global Change. <gasps> oh, boy, what a mouthful. He's partnered with a couple other Ph.D.s, and they've got a book coming out. And one of the most important things that they say right off the bat about this book is that the most widely 
repeated claim in the debate over global warming is that 97% of scientists agree that climate change is a man is man-made and dangerous. The authors, and I've already listed the creds, these authors say that that claim is not only false, but its pre- its presence in the debate is an insult to science. So, the party of science on the left, headed up by the president of the United States over at a national world climate change conference where they say is a rebuke on the war on terror. If you have you ever heard anything so stupid, that's the head of the party of science. Meanwhile, real scientists are saying what those of us who aren't stupid and those of us who have common sense have been saying for a long time that it's called weather. It's called seasons. But even if you believe, as is the case in another scientist named Jennifer Cur- Jen- Judith Curry, she says actually that she does believe that a man's presence actually can have an, have an effect. The human carbon-based emissions can contribute to the warming of the planet. She says it's so negligible that there, it's absolutely wrong for those on the left to continue to, to fear monger and push the narrative that, that it's some kind of crisis on the level of or worse, which is exactly what they're doing right now. They're trying to act as though it, literally that you're more likely literally climate change is worse than if you had a team of ISIS people coming towards you carrying swords. That's the kind of nonsense that they're spewing here. She's under attack. She says that if, if there's no way that she'd be able to speak out, if she had were not a tenured professor, there's no way she could even get a, get a job in academia if she were not te- tenured at this point. No way she could get any government grants. They're literally trying to silence her because, as I talked about at the beginning of the show, one of the ways in which they get over on the American people, and they've gotten the American people sucked into the lore of Marxism, which is about control, and climate change, like every other liberal policy, is about control. They they one of the greatest ways that they can control our lives, first of all, it's with health care, and that's what they do with Obamacare. And the second way is through climate change, because through the crappy climate change hoax, they can control businesses. They can control every aspect of our lives from the cars we drive to the food we eat to the homes, homes we live in. It's all about a master plan to try to turn us all into Denmark or Sweden. And the American people are foolish enough to buy into it. These scientists go on to say... That um, the policymakers must resist pressure from lobby groups to silence scientists who question the authority of the IPCC to claim to speak for climate science. American people, if you have any family members out there who have actually bought into this nonsense, I beg of you, I'm actually going to invite these scientists on to the Andrea K. show because this uh, this information I just read to you about this book came to me from a press rep who wants me to book them on the show. So I'm going to get them on the show. I know that I'm speaking to the choir. I know that you all out there get this. Um, Timothy Shea made a great quote uh, comment on Facebook today because he was talking about how it's about the money. And that's one thing. It's not just about control. See, it's also about money because Marxist like Obama, he's not a true believer. He doesn't believe in the lure of Marxism and the utopia. 
He's like those drug pushers that are happy to get somebody else hooked on the crack and the heroin, but wouldn't dare ingest that themselves because they know that they would become a slave to it. No, what is he, what's in it for him? Power and money. And that's what Judith Curry talks about. Uh, that professor I mentioned to you, she talks about the reason for wanting a much more dire and ur- urgent climate change sales pitch is likely quite simple, she says, money. Al Gore created his own vast personal wealth over 20 years ago. By shouting and screaming that the ice caps would melt. And actually, he predicted that Florida would be completely underwater by now, I think it was. And she says the same thing about Obama. That's what his plan is. And that's one of the reasons why he's over there. He's setting the stage for himself to live fat while the peasants under these Marxist schemes. Because, see, the elitists never have to live under the weight of their own tyranny. And Obama won't either. So American people need to wise up. Um. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Andrea K. Show right here on AM 1170 KCBQ. What do I have time to get into before the next break? I think I'm just going to go ahead and get into a little bit about something else that's happening. The other, the real threat that we face, and that's radical Islam. Did you know, Todd, that the FBI is tracking 48 while President Obama's over there? Recommending sunscreen to everybody, I guess. I guess that's how he's fighting the greatest threat that we face. Is he going to get a Nobel Peace Prize for fighting climate change? I think he should, right? Because he, he earned that first one so so well, right? Um, did you know that the FBI is currently tracking 48 ISIS suspects already here in America? And they're having to track them 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The FBI has over 1,000 active cases of those 48 and this is according to Ryan Morrow's group, The Clarion Project. I've had Ryan Morrow on the show a few times. You guys know who he is. He says the FBI, together with law enforcement agencies across the country, are engaged in this. Actually, that quote comes from Senator Dan Coats. He says it takes an enormous amount of manpower to do this on a 24-7 basis, and it takes an enormous amount of money to do this. Hello, American people. Why are you supporting? I've even heard Bill O'Reilly talking about how he would let the refugees in. We, got, we have ISIS all over this country by now. He says a dozen agents are assigned to each case. That's a 12 to 1 ratio that that's costing you. Do you know that, Ty, we have 74 refugees already here in San Diego County. They're probably at the mosque, not that far from here. How far is that Balboa like mosque? Mesa Boulevard? Yeah, how far is that mosque? Uh, it's on Balboa. Five uh, miles, yeah, maybe? Five miles. About five miles. miles from us. Two of the hijackers who took down the World Trade Center went there. So the, uh, the FBI goes on to say they're monitoring it. Um, they say that the time between radicalization and the decision to carry out an attack can be extremely short. I think they know that over in Paris, don't they? Uh, the FBI says that together we are watching people of concern using all our lawful tools. That's the operative word, isn't it? Because you know what's not lawful is to do what they should be doing, and that's going into mosques like we have on Balboa Avenue and going in and routing it out. Right now, everybody's all talking about, oh, y'all, we need to be shutting down and quieting down speech of anybody on the pro-life and what they're saying about Planned Parenthood. Um, But we're not doing anything about the speech and what's going on inside these mosques and the rhetoric that's going on there, are we? We're not doing anything about that. And why are they not doing that? Because the FBI... While this is all going on, the FBI is trying to tell the American people that there w- there's not actually any threat. Todd, roll, that, roll this clip, if you have it. The FBI director. We are not aware of any credible threat here of a Paris-type attack. And we have seen no connection at all 
between the Paris attackers and the United States. ISIL and its supporters put out all kinds of propaganda, like videos and magazines, but that is not credible intelligence. Of course, we investigate all of those propaganda threats. But instead, the threat here focuses primarily on troubled souls in America who are being inspired or enabled online to do something violent for ISIL. We okay. have stopped a lot of those people this year. Yeah, we don't need to hear any more from that fool. He says there's no connection between the Paris attacks in America. You know what the connection is? The connection is Islam. That's the connection. It doesn't matter. Do you know how many names there are for the different radical Islamist groups? ISIS is just one of them, although ISIS is now actually becoming an actual state. They're called the Islamic State for a reason. But that's the connection. It's Islam, and they are already here, and they have been here. And we have an FBI director going before the American people and saying there's no credible threat. Yeah, there's a threat. It's called ISIS, Islam, and they're here. Now, we're going to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to be back here. I'm going to pick this up on the other side because there's more stuff happening with the Islamic threat that we face around the world and what's being done about it and who our enemies are and who our friends are and who's actually funding and supporting ISIS and why. You're listening to The Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Be sure to follow Andrea K. on Twitter at Andrea K. Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K. spelled K-A-Y-E. Want to start living better, longer? La Vida Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's best local pharmacy, LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990. I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen and Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen and Bath, 858-271-8434, or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657 you're listening to the Andrea K show on AM 1170 the answer welcome back to the Andrea K show boy I love that song <laughs> hey I'm just having a great time here sharing this Monday night with you all thank you so much for being here I'm gonna be back here tomorrow night at 8 p.m. I'm also gonna be back on America Trends TV show this week either Wednesday or Friday night I'm not sure I gotta check with uh, the show's producers on that. So stay tuned. And I'm also going to be back on Craig's Sewing Show tomorrow at 6. So lots of chances to catch up with me and get my opinions about what's going on. America Trends is hosted by one of my new favorite people of all time, Dr. Gina Loudon. She wrote a great article the other day on World Net Daily about Christian blood for oil. And there's a lot of people talking about the fact that the president of Turkey, his son, 
uh, Berlal, I'm not sure if I'm saying this right, Erdogan, that he actually, there's questions coming out, which means we, we really know the answer, but we're just going to pretend that it's still a question at this point, that he's really the money behind ISIS. And the Russian foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, I guess I'm saying is not, asserts that they, the shooting down of the Russian plane by Turkey was them siding with ISIS and that the reason why they did that is because Turkey's involvement with ISIS involves oil and that basically uh, Erdogan, including his dad, is the allegation, is that their group, their business operations, uh, is involved in smuggling Iraqis, is smuggling ISIS, and making sure that there's a transportation route for their oil. And that Obama has basically, because Obama is buddies with Erdogan, the allegations are basically that, that President Obama has known all this, that one of the reasons why he's in bed with Turkey is an... Um, <laughs> It's kind of complicated. You know, Turkey was supposedly our ally for a long time because they were supposedly so secular. The reality is, is that they're becoming more and more of an Islamic state all along. Um, President Obama supposedly wanted Assad out because he was so horrible to his people. But yet you don't think ISIS is horrible to people? ISIS is far worse. Far worse, not only to locals, if if if. Assad was so much of a worse solution than ISIS, then why do you have all these Syrian refugees leaving if ISIS was so much of a better solution over Assad? You, but you still have President Obama pushing for Assad to be replaced. So Russia has come out and says that basically the cause of ISIS entirely and the support of ISIS is not only Turkey, but it's President Obama himself. He goes on to say... Actually, Medvedev said on Sunday that the Islamic State's rise became possible partly due to uh, the irresponsible U.S. policies, which were aimed at deposing Syrian leader uh, Assad. And he goes on to say that it's uh, President Obama, of course, is still pushing back that we need to replace Assad. But with who? With what? This is not just about oil. I think I think that. Clearly, it's hypocritical that for so long we heard uh, back going to the first one forty one and his or the first you know Persian Gulf War, no blood for oil. That was the chant of the left, and then we had the same thing before we went to Iraq. And now people are saying, including Dr. Gina, that it's really hypocritical because it's you know Christian blood for oil. That's only a part of the uh, of the piece. The real issue is we have an Islamist supporter as a president of the United States. I do not believe necessarily that he's a Muslim because I think that he's a Marxist more than anything. I don't think he worships anybody but himself and and, and only wants to, to get himself power. But what he really wants, Dinesh D'Souza was really the one who got it right because he said at 2016, you would have a militarily and economically neutered America and you would have the entire Middle East under radical Islamist control. And that's what it's all about. And that's what every bit of it has been about. And the American people who are still foolish enough to buy into climate change being the number one threat we face, needs to, again, stop paying attention to propaganda and look to see the results of what has happened to a European continent that bought into that same notion. The notion of the utopia of multiculturalism, that if we just controlled all the circumstances, everybody would just all live in peace and harmony like the old Coca-Cola song. Meanwhile, how has that worked out for Sweden? Right now and all the other Scandinavia, you can see what happened in Paris alone. Read the book while Europe slept. 
They're letting all these immigrants, all these refugees in, and they're completely destroying every aspect of society, raping, pillaging, murdering, terrorist attacks. Sweden right now is reporting that 14,000 illegal immigrants have disappeared, and they can't find them and can't trace them. Like, that's not going to happen here in America. It's already happening. What are we going to do? If we've got right now for 48 ISIS people that they're having to track 12 to 1, what are we going to do when we have 100,000 a year, 100,000 refugees a year brought here from these ISIS-infested countries? It's unmanageable for us to be doing that. Not to mention the fact that it's going to break our backs economically. The American people need to wise up. But the American people are already almost as dumb as this woman. There's a report. You want to know the stupidity that's going on. The, the, like the crack addicts. It's already, here's a report that's come out of, this was an article I read on Front Page Mag, and it's about a, a woman, a Swedish woman, who felt all sorry for these Muslim refugees. So she's on a train with these, with these three Muslims. So she booked a compartment and, um, she decides to show sympathy, so she decides to bring some sandwiches to these Muslim men and make nice, right? She's like 20-something 20, 20 years old. So they're all, you know, getting all liquored up, and she decides to actually try to sleep. I mean, I shouldn't even be laughing, but, I mean, this is how stupid these people are. This is a woman who obviously believes that climate change, right, is like a bigger threat than Islam. So sure enough, while she goes to sleep, one of them tries to rape her. Then, I haven't even gotten to the stupid part yet. Besides the fact that she brought, tried to feed him, bring him sandwiches and, and try to get a good night's sleep around him, um, tries to rape her. Uh, she runs down screaming. A train attendant uh, tells her, ask, you know, should I call the police for you? She says she wants him to, but she says she feels sorry for him because they might get deported if she reports him. Well, fortunately, I guess the attendant decided to be smart on her behalf and actually called and the guy got arrested and he's got a year in prison and he's supposedly got to pay her $85,000 or what, 85,000 kronar or whatever it is. Um, but I mean, this to me is the perfect example of the insanity taking root in the minds of people who've bought into the notion of the Marxist utopia. And one of the reasons why it happened in Europe was because, as Bruce Bauer, Bauer talked about, is after World War II, there was no God in their society over there. They were freed after what happened after World War II in many of these like Eastern Bloc countries and beyond, but, they, but there was no, no God in their society. They didn't have that as a value. And when you don't ha- stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And what they fell for is they allowed all these, the, the, the mindset of multiculturalism, and they allowed what little bit of traditions and, and their own societies and their own culture, what, what they had, they allowed it to be stripped away from them and replaced with these people. And here they are, because there is no coexisting. There is no such thing as coexisting with Islam. So... Even though Hillary Clinton would have you believe that there is. Have you seen, guys, seen the latest commercial? I don't know if you've seen the commercial, um, Todd. You know, the left, 2012, was it, yeah, it was 2012 Democrat National Convention when they, and Romney allowed it to happen with his, you know, uh, allowed his, his candidacy to be labeled as, you know, about binders for women. But the left did a really good job with their phony war on women. Really good. And, and shame on you. 
of my gender that bought into that crappy war on women nonsense by a party that claims to be the party of women when they are selling you down the river to the Islamist who have no respect and are nothing but ab- abusers of women. Inherent in Islam is the abuse of women from female genital mutilation to even just the head cover. What is that about? It is about submission to women. And, and, and it starts the history of the hijab. And well, let me backtrack. Hillary Clinton, supposedly the head of the party of women, is in a commercial, I guess, supposedly, supposedly trying to establish her street creds and, and foreign policy while she's wearing a hijab, a head cover. What is the history of the hijab? What is it? It's about male dominance over women. Women, my gender, I beg of you, gay people, I beg of you to pay attention who you're partnering with because the left wants to tell you that they're the party of women's rights. The left wants to tell you that they're the party of gay rights when they are partnering with an ideology and with people that they are bringing here that will literally throw gay people off a roof, that literally want to cut women's genitals off, literally think they should have the right to stone women to death for being raped. And Hillary Clinton is supporting that ideology in a commercial wearing a hijab. The American people need to wake up. The greatest threat we face is the stupidity of the American people who are buying into the Marxist utopia, ignoring the fact that the Marxists on the left are partnering with people who want to destroy you. That is the threat that we face. Now, we've got the second hour of the Andrea K. Show coming up. We've got... More that we're going to talk about on the other side, uh, from Islam to schools and attacks on freedom of speech, like right here in San Diego. We've also got a caller who's going to be calling in. With a little, we've got a little military segment coming up, because you know that we love the military here on the Andrea K. Show. So don't change that dial, because we've got more of me coming up in the next hour. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred seven pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Good evening, and welcome back to the Andrea K. This is hour two, right here, sitting here in the KCBQ studios. Um, by the way, I got to answer. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and answer a listener who just sent me an email um, about last week's show. Um, thank you for thinking about it a week later. I don't think that I really um, I think of myself as someone who advocates for ideas, not party or Paul. And so I just got a, an email from a listener who was telling me that he feels like I've been a little too much of a George Bush supporter. <laughs> um, in, in terms of the war on terror, I think that I've been, when it comes to radical Islam, I hold everybody accountable. That's what I've been talking about. I've been talking about the issue of radical Islam, the issue of our government, not for, for years now, not doing everything that they need to do. So, um, Charlie, if you're still listening, keep listening to my show, because when it comes to radical Islam, I hold every, I, whether it's radical Islam or if it's any other issue, I hold all elected officials accountable. I think that's what everybody in the media should do. I don't really consider 
consider myself an actual journalist, more an, an opinionator. Um, but I don't advocate for any one person. And I think that I've done a good job here of holding everybody accountable who's been in office and for what they're doing and what they're not doing, whether it's on the radical Islam or economic issues or on behalf of our military. And that's what leads me into my next segment, because we're going to talk a little bit about the military here. And I got a friend of mine on the line who has dedicated her life to helping military heroes transition from active duty into civilian life. It is none other than Eve Nasby of The Brave. Hey, Eve, welcome to the Andrea K Show. Hey, Andrea, thank you so much. What an honor and a privilege. Thank you for all you're doing for America. Thank you for opening our eyes and the support that you give this great nation. Oh, thanks so much. Now, those of you who were listening for two years or more for Close Up on San Diego Business, you might recognize Eve's voice because she was a, a partner in that show. And so I'm going to miss honor. hanging out with you every Tuesday. So that's why I had to get my fix this week and ask Eve to come on. Thank you so much. Yeah. Louise on Thelma. Hey, what are you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So true. Um, I actually gave you a little assignment that you're calling in tonight. And and it was actually a suggestion from a listener about uh, an organization that's that's helping military. It's called, tell everybody about it, Eve. Yeah, amazing organization called Wreaths Across America. It's a national nonprofit founded in 2007. Um, But before that, in 1992, they donated 5,000 wreaths, live wreaths, gentleman named Moral Worcester from Worcester Reef and fast forward from 92 to 2014. So last year for the first time, Every headstone at Arlington National Cemetery received a wreath, 230,000 in total. So Wreaths Across America, what an awesome organization. They're reaching out to our young people as well. So they take these wreaths down to Arlington, but before they reach there, they stop at schools and other organizations to remember and to honor and to teach our young ones all about the veterans and the sacrifices that they've made for this country. Oh, wow. You know how know. We, you know how sentimental I am, Eve. You know you're making me weepy right now. <laughs> I grab the tissues. No, this is an amazing organization, and you know what, Andrea? They are thirty thousand wreaths short this year. This uh, the big date is December twelfth, and oh, so that's coming I up. Encourage it is, and I encourage our listeners to to jump on wreathsacrossamerica.org. O-R-G, to donate. It's only $15 to donate a wreath. They're 30,000 wreaths short of their goal of covering every headstone at Arlington. So please join us in this push to help them get every one of those tombstones yeah. honored with that live wreath. Yeah, 15 bucks. I mean, that's nothing. I know. That's a few days at Starbucks. It is three days. Okay, wait. It's three stops a day for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's my budget right there. So, no, thank you so much. I can't wait to see how amazing this is going to be. And you can go online. You can see the pictures that are from last year, just covered in snow with these wreaths. It's just beautiful. Oh. And what a way to remember our fallen heroes. Yeah, absolutely. And for those of you who ha- aren't familiar with you from listening to Close Up, tell everybody about The Brave and what you do there. Oh, sure. Well, 
Gosh, we are a um, an organization that helps our veterans find work. You know, transitioning, Andrea, out of the military into civilian life is hard. It's a different language. It's a different culture. And sometimes there's a shell shock coming out of the military into corporate America. And so we help them transition. We'll help them rewrite their resumes. We'll help them with interview skills. And we literally help them find jobs. So if you're a veteran out there and you're struggling, please call us at the Brave. Phone number is 619-244-3000. And if you are a business owner here in America and you've got room for a veteran, Call me. I can help you find whatever type of veteran you would need for your organization. Again, the number, 619-244-3000. And I know it's the holiday times right now. Are, are businesses still looking? Is, is it still a, a good time for people to contact you? That is such a great question, and I would say yes, we definitely, I mean, right now we have over 300 openings within our organization, um, helping other companies across the nation find great workers, and I can think of no other greater worker than a veteran, trained um, just for discipline and reliability, honesty, integrity, who wouldn't want to hire a veteran, so yes, this is still a great time. Right. In fact, there was a the statistic that you gave on close up one time about um, a study that had been done and it had to do, I think, with productivity or efficiency yeah. of, of veterans over even folks with an MBA. Do you remember what that was? <laughs> I do. You have a great memory, Andrea. So the statistically speaking, um, Amazon.com did a study over a two year period of time. And what they monitored was the productivity and activity of their management. And those with an MBA with no veteran. Uh, Veteran background didn't perform as well as those without an MBA, but yet they were veterans. And in fact, the veteran managers outperformed the non-MBA veteran candidates, or I'm sorry, employees, two to one. So again, statistics prove they learn faster, actually, too. So again, who wouldn't want to hire a veteran? Give me a call. And we have, what, about 30,000 that retire each year here in San Diego alone, don't we? What's the number for that? We do. Yeah, 25,000 veterans transition out of the military into the San Diego economy every single year. So we've got a great talent pool. Now, some of them will go back home. So if they're from the great state of Louisiana, mm-hmm. they'll go back home there, right? Yeah. Um, but many of them want to stay in San Diego. So again, if you've got a company, you've got an opening, give me a call. We'll help you find that veteran candidate. And if it's a veteran themselves and they're listening, what should they do? They should call me. Six one nine two four four three thousand. If we, for whatever reason, can't help you, we've got tons of resources for free that can help you with whatever you need. And veteran spouses, this message is for you as well. We're equally as excited about helping you find positions here in San Diego or throughout the nation. Awesome. And give out that website one more time about the wreaths. Ah, uh, yes. It is called Wreaths Across America. So it's W-R-E-A-T-H-S Across America dot O-R-G. Awesome. Thanks so much for calling in, Eve. Thank you, Andrea. We love you. Love you, too. See you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye now. She is doing such amazing work for the military, and I know from from my family how difficult it can be for the military, for the veterans to transition, to come back from that world, which is so unique and so special, and they do such an amazing job for us as as a country, and they just want to work, and they're phenomenal employees. If you're a veteran out there listening, please call Eve. If you're a business owner who needs, uh, one of the things I forgot to ask Eve about, if you're a business owner and you're hiring, there are tax credits uh, available. I think it's upwards of like $9,000 in tax credit uh, for hiring a veteran. So please contact Eve at The Brave. If you didn't write down her number, you know, Google The Brave or... um 
uh, Eve Nasby, and you should be able to get all the information there. Getting back into a little bit of um, some other local stuff going on here. Are you familiar with an, with a publication at UCSD, uh, Todd, called Koala? Koala, yeah. It's always controversial. It's been that way for a long time. Well, I guess it's controversial because they dared to mock the students at Mizzou for wanting a safe place. You know, it's okay. It was okay for them to be controversial with some of the pornographic stuff that they did or pushing the envelope with some of the other stuff. But you dare to say uh, to mock a student who wants a safe place and you're going to lose your funding. That's right. They've pulled the funding in in order to avoid uh, some heat. The student government pulled the funding from all uh, student-funded publications, but it was directly as a result of complaints, one of which was this. Student funds should not support a cause that makes community members feel unsafe. What about free speech makes you feel unsafe? What about a publication? You know, somebody posted, I think it was Ronnie Rayleigh posted a great meme on my Facebook the other day that said in 1944, 19-year-olds strapped on guns and mounted beachheads to fight for freedoms. And 19-year-olds today send send comments to student government saying they don't like a cause, i.e. a publication that makes them feel unsafe. This is where we're at. This is the stupidity that's going on with it, with Americans today with the mindset of Marxism, of allowing and giving a government control over lives, thinking that it's somehow going to create some utopia for them, some existence that's perfect. It's 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 literally insane. We got to take a break. When we come back, we got more, more insanity and more real sanity on the other side of this break. You're listening to The Andrea K Show right here on AM 1170, The Answer. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Want to start living better, longer? Levita Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's best local pharmacy, Levita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LevitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990. I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen and Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen and Bath, 858-271-8434, or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657-333. Kitchen Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. You're listening to the Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to the Andrea K Show. Glad to have you here with me. Um, 
What were we talking about before the break? We were talking to Eve Nasby about hiring veterans as well as wreathsacrossamerica.org. Definitely, I'm going to go online and I'm going to donate and pick up the cost for some wreaths. And I definitely encourage you to do that. Let's support our, our veterans. And I love the fact that they're educating young people as well about that. Um, we were also talking about an organization, a publication here in San Diego. They're trying to unfund because they dare to mock students. Um, let's get into a little bit, a few minutes on the GOP race. Big news for endorsements today. Seems as though the New Hampshire, what's their called here, union leader, endorsed Chris Christie. And, you you know, I'm laughing because the reason why they endorsed him is because they said that Washington, that Americans seem to be, I'm quoting, Americans seem to be fed up with Washington and they're looking for somebody who speaks with the bark off, as we say in New Hampshire. I don't know what the heck that means. But I have I have in-laws in New Hampshire and they're not sane people up there. There, I said it. The, uh, they're liberals. In fact, I've got some in-laws that I actually care very much about that are listening right now. So, you know, I'm not talking about you anyway. Uh, and he goes on to say, and I think Christie does that. Christie is about as big government and is about as as entrenched as they come. OK, he goes on to say that um, the, the silly notion that there's the need for experience in administrative leadership. That's why he can't go with somebody like a Rubio or a Ted Cruz. The issue, again, Republicans, the issue is not with Obama's not experience. It's ideology. It's just craziness. Um, some more news in terms of endorsements today. It seems as though a local guy, uh, Daryl Issa, has endorsed Rubio. Um, I don't really know the quote for that. I don't really need to hear the quote for that. I'm disappointed in ISA. I think that although if Rubio ended up being the nomination, heck yeah, I'd vote for him over Hillary Clinton any day of the week. But I don't think that he is the right person to lead us right now. We do need an outsider. We need somebody that's not. He's so establishment. When he let that got involved with that gang of eight situation there, he really lost me. I don't trust him. I think he's an amnesty guy. Um, so I'm not really interested in ISA's reasons. Uh, that just tells me that ISA is fairly entrenched uh, in the establishment itself. In fact, um, I'm not going to read all of it, but Bill Bennett, thanks to Peggy, she sent me a really interesting, fairly long article written by Bill Bennett. And you know who he is, former edu- uh, head of the Department of Education. Uh, during 41 and host of Morning America, he says that he wouldn't be surprised if Trump faced some kind of accident or some attempt to bump him off because he has both establishment parties scared because both parties are paid for and by big government. They're they're basically owned by big donors, whether it's Wall Street, corporations, big pharma, big oil. It's basically the same for both parties. He thinks that that uh, Trump is really the threat to both because Trump doesn't Trump can self-fund. He doesn't need the big donors. He doesn't need the big fundraisers, which means and if you don't need them and you're not paid for and bought by somebody, then you've got freedom to hold people accountable. See, he's got the left scare because there, if there's anybody who's going to hold Obama accountable and charge him for the criminal as he is, it ain't going to be anybody entrenched in the GOP. That's why they've done nothing to hold him accountable since and never will. Trump will, though. So Rubio is not the answer, but that may be why, because Bill Bennett, and I'm going to post this on Facebook, Bill Bennett goes on to say that everybody in Washington who's already there, and I guess I could include Ted, uh, Ted Cruz, says has been bought and paid for. He says another reason why the Republicans haven't done anything to hold President Obama accountable or charge him with anything 
when he's been the biggest criminal in American history is because he thinks that many of them are being blackmailed as well as the fact that many of them are on the take and being bribed. Quite an interesting and harsh uh, accusation from him. So speaking of Trump, um, he really did. He said he was going to have 100 black pastors there and that they were coming. There was going to be a big press conference and he was going to get all these endorsements. And the black pre- uh, pastor said, hey, hold up. We didn't offer any big endorsements here. They ended up having the meeting. Uh, even he ended up doing a presser later, which I will describe in a minute. But what I really found interesting is 100 black pastors came to have a meeting with him. I haven't heard of 100 black pastors having a meeting with Rubio going to talk to Rubio. I haven't heard of a hundred black pastors going to talk to Chris Christie, but they showed up at Trump's for a meeting and he was there for hours. I absolutely believe African-Americans started peeling off in the fall of 2014 for economic reasons. They saw that President Obama, who promised to make the waters rise, was given everything he could do to illegals coming across the border. So the fa- I believe that Trump is the one who can cross party lines. I believe he's the one that can capture the minority votes. And I think today's event proved it. He did then afterwards have kind of a strange press conference afterwards. It kind of, it almost looked like, like a press conference held by prosecutors, you know, after they've arrested somebody and they've interrogated them and there's an indictment and they're coming out and describing it. I mean, you've got this one woman who comes out talking about, hey, we talked to him. We addressed those racial slurs. We posed some questions to him on that. Okay. And, you know, he kind of answered those questions fairly okay. Well, like, what if he didn't, right? What would you have done? Then this guy, Daryl Scott, very articulate, very handsome man. He says, you know, we voiced our concerns that were sensitive to the African-American community. And I'm thinking, what is specific concerns the African-American community has? Like their their money concerns are different than my money concerns. I mean, that's nonsense. So I was a little concerned about the pandering that seemed to be going on there. But more than anything, I really didn't like the fact that, you know, we comments were made like we asked questions and we were satisfied with the answers. And I'm thinking, like, what if you weren't satisfied with it? Would you go burn down Trump Tower? You know, oh, it was a it was a great day. He says, what, because you got what you wanted? Was this some kind of shakedown? What went on here? Uh, But I actually don't think that this is Trump being on the take. I think it's Trump being smart and courting a really important, something that nobody else has done in the Republican Party. He is truly, actively, smartly courting the minorities. And then one of the things that Daryl Scott said that was really great was that he said, I'm going to wrap this up here. He said that when he was asked about what his concerns were about Trump, and he says, I didn't have any concerns about Trump. He said he said others who do have concerns because the liberal media put that out about him. He says, and I wanted people to come here today and make up their own mind because the, his heart is not what has been reflected by the liberal media. Hat tip to you, Daryl Scott. That's the quote of the day. And I don't know if if we've got that queued up, Todd. Can we play that real quick? I want you guys to hear this. I didn't have concerns because I was already convinced, but there were concerns that the liberal media has put out portraying Mr. Trump in a light that I know he's not uh, the type of person he was depicted to be. So what we were able to do today was allow people to see his heart for themselves and to make up their own minds about him. And they, 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 they find out that he's not the person that the media has depicted him to be. Are you, you know, I support Donald Trump. Yeah, you know what? To me, 
That's the quote of the day for me, because, you know, one of the things that Trump is doing really well and what Bill Bennett talks about is because he's self-funded, he ain't scared of anything the media has to say. He's not scared of any allegations. If he says something dopey, he either defends himself or he brushes it off and he puts his head down and and grinds his legs forward and keeps going. The more I hear about Trump, he is no joke. He is for real. And that's why everybody's out to get him. I got to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to really shift gears because we are approaching the Christmas season. And I want you all to hear from David Limbaugh about his book, The Emmaus Code. Want more Andrea K? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea K Show and like her Facebook page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Do you struggle with the day to day management of your business? Proteus takes the pain out of the business process management by providing you a complete system for efficiency, automation, continuity. Proteus is business solution that wraps itself around your business and grows with you. Gone are the days of multiple programs and systems for sales, inventory, customer management, and financial reporting. Proteus serves your business every day, all day, and revolutionizes the way you do business. Visit us today to see how Proteus can assist you online at www.proteuserp.com or call today, 877-749-3533. Families that play together, stay together. If you've ever thought about owning your own pool table, shuffleboard, air hockey, foosball, or ping pong table... Now is the time. The Big Kids Toy Store has all the fun games for your family to enjoy together for the holidays. You'll also find a wide variety of furniture for your game room, dining room, or living room. Shop now for the best deals in California on new, used, and antique pool tables, bars, bar stools, and dining game tables. Save $1,000 to $10,000 on select pool tables and get 12 to 18 months no interest financing on purchases over $2,000. Mention radio and save 20% on all accessories. Shop the holiday sale now, only at Billiards and Barstools in San Marcos, just off Highway 78 and Twin Oaks Valley Road. Click BilliardsandBarstools.com to receive their newsletter and be the first to know about new products and special events. Fresh Healthy Vending, the nation's largest healthy vending company, is looking for locations in this area to place its latest innovation, a fresh, healthy micromarket at absolutely no cost to your business. A fresh, healthy micromarket is like a mini health food store for your office break room. Choose from breakfast meals, fresh salads, wraps, hot meals, smoothies, cold-pressed juices, and more, all at a convenient self-checkout kiosk. Now you can offer your employees exactly what they want. All natural, healthy, fresh, and organic foods. Fuel productivity and creativity, decrease absenteeism, and increase morale. Fresh Healthy Vending is offering the first 20 offices that sign up $250 cash and 15% of the net profits each micromarket generates each month. For free information about this exciting and healthy opportunity, visit freshandhealthy.org to request your free machine. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Hi, David. Are you with me? Yes. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thanks. Hey, welcome back to The Andrea K Show. 
Hey, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, yeah. Um, I'm so excited today to talk to you at length about your book, The Emmaus Code. And But I'm curious before I get into it, I've got a couple of questions in terms of right now, here we are going into the presidential season 2016. There's You've written so many other great political books, one of my favorite being The Great Destroyer. Why now do a book that has to do with Christianity? Well, I, the, the last book I wrote, Jesus on Trial, was on Christianity, too. And this book, The Emmaus Code, is on Christianity. I've had a passion for uh, Christ and the Bible for 25 years. And the first book I ever set out to write was about the Old Testament, and it kind of fizzled. I hadn't written any columns or any books yet, and I hadn't established a platform as a writer. Right. So I've kind of come back to that now. But I, you know, I have dual passions. I have multiple passions, politics and religion, all the things we're not supposed to talk about in public. Those are the only <laughs> things I talk about in public. Well, I just th- thought that, yeah, you, you have a history of writing on both. I just found it interesting that right now with these oh, being oh, such perilous me, me, times. I, yeah, I didn't take the cue. Let me, let me develop that. I think we are, our world is shattering around us. It's imploding. Uh, we are uh, in serious trouble. Everyone is in the secular culture, in the secular globalist world, is a, a law unto himself. Every do, as in the book of Judges, everyone does what is right in his own eyes. We turn away from God. We turn away from moral absolutes. And we all uh, become our own gods. And as a result, our society is caving. We're experiencing problems that politics alone can't fix. And while we have an obligation to stay in the culture and stay in politics and do what we can to improve our lives and improve the world for ourselves and our kids. There are times when we need to turn to those things that matter most, mm-hmm. and that would be uh, our faith. And so uh, that's, that's another reason that I turn to this and turn my uh, direction toward this at this time. Yeah. You know, when I look in, at what's happening in Europe right now with the Paris attacks, one of the first things I thought of was a book that I don't know if you read written by Bruce Bauer called While Europe Slept. And are you familiar with that book? I've heard about it. I've not read it. Yeah. Well, it was written by a man who was a far left liberal who was so disgusted with what he viewed as the religious right in America that he decided to move to the great holy grail of socialist, you know, Scandinavia and thinking that it would be so much better to move to a society that did not have uh, Judeo-Christian values and principles at at its core and foundation, what he found was because they didn't have that. It's like like that old saying, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And that's how, without those values, they ended up allowing the Islamization of the European continent to take place. And they welcomed them in with this concept of multiculturalism and allowed the conquest to take place. And, um, and that's a particular concern to me. And there's a reason why they're really wanting to attack that part of our society. And so that's one, one of the reasons why I was so excited to hear about your book. And I don't, like I said, I didn't know if there, that was a part of why you wanted to tell this story or if it was just simply, you know, your love of Christ and, and wanting to, well, to do that. What, what you're describing in Europe is happening here. Yes. And, uh, no, I mean, I, to be frank, totally honest, I, I wanted to write this book because I wanted to help people uh, re- reignite their interest in Scripture and mm-hmm. to to shatter some of the myths about the Old Testament and to tell people it, it's accessible and try to reignite their passion for the Old Testament and for the entire Bible and for Jesus Christ. 
uh, himself. But 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 it happens to be true that we need this now more than ever. But right. that's not the specific reason I wrote it. Well, even if that wasn't the reason you 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 wrote it, I love that you did because I absolutely think that we need to have a restoration of what this country was founded on, and that was in, in, Judeo-Christian principles. Getting into the book. Yeah. How did you get to the title, the Emmaus Code? What what is that about? Well, well I uh, the, Jesus in one of his resurrection appearances uh, encountered two of his disciples who were on the road to Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were walking along, despondent, downcast, dejected because the Messiah had been crucified, died a humiliating death without doing what he was supposed to do as the Messiah, which was deliver Israel politically and militarily from Rome. And so he he died without so much as a fizzle, and they didn't know what to think. Their lives had crumbled around them. And he walks up to them, appears out of nowhere, begins walking with them, and asks them what they're talking about. And they look at him incredulously and say, (laughs) are you the only one in the whole world who doesn't know what has happened? Well, the Gospel of Luke, which is where the story is, chapter 24, tells us that they are made not to recognize him. So supernaturally, God put scales on their eyes so they wouldn't recognize it was Jesus. And after they asked him if he's the only person that didn't know, uh, which is kind of funny because he's the person they were talking about, unbeknownst to them, uh, he then takes them through the entirety of Scripture, the, the Moses, the Law, and the Prophets, which is the Old Testament because they didn't have the New Testament yet, and showed how each and every page pointed to himself. It's all about Jesus Christ. And after he left, as quickly as he'd come, they were they they began to rec- they did recognize him. The scales were lifted from their eyes, and they said to each other, uh, were, "Were did our hearts not burn within us as he revealed himself to us and showed us how every page of the Scripture pointed to him?" And so we have these. Uh, disciples now who who are who are transformed from complete ignorance to complete knowledge about their savior and so my, my, the title of the book is about that the Emmaus code is the the code or the key to unlocking scripture is through the old testament through realization that Christ is the center of every bit of it now why do you think that so many christians don't understand that the Old Testament, myself included, had so many um, that it was really about preparing our hearts for the New Testament. Well, I think our culture and a lot of people do understand it. I, right. get, I get these hating mails from certain people, some Catholics and Lutherans and others, Mormons even have said to me, you act like you've got something new and controversial. We've been teaching this for hundreds of years. And I say, no. I am, I'm not plagiarizing what you guys are saying. I'm not claiming this is original. I got this from Jesus himself. He's the one who said it in the Gospel of Luke. So it's it's been since the beginning of church, uh, the beginning of uh, the New Testament, that this has been true, uh, that, we've, that we've had this information accessible to us. The book of Hebrews in the New Testament, all the Gospels, uh, the Epistles, uh, the book of Acts, they all point to Christ in the Old Testament. And I think part of the reason we don't understand it is because our aggressive, militant, secular culture insists on us diluting the real God. The secular people know ultimately innately through God, whether they realize it on a conscious level or not. 
and they fight God with all they can. Mm-hmm. And so one of the ways they fight God is to deny he exists or to transform who he is. So they right. say that Jesus is some hippie that tiptoes through the tulips <laughs> and is completely some tolerant liberal right. who cares n- nothing about anything. He, he abhors judgment, and the God of the Old Testament is a mean old angry guy who just can't get enough sadistic violence. Uh, and the truth is that the Scripture tells us God is unchanging. He's the same forever, always has been, and always will be. Mm-hmm. The God of the Old Testament is uh, filled with loving kindness and grace and patience, as we see through his superintending providence over the nation of Israel that he established in, in many other ways. God of the New Testament, as manifested in the Trinity and specifically Jesus, uh, is a God who is not uh, indifferent to sin, who is the God who who performs judgment on mankind, That's offers right. salvation, but also judges at the same time. This is a God who gave us, uh, he, he spoke, by the way, about hell almost, maybe more than anything else he spoke about in the Bible and uh, in the New Testament. And, and in the Sermon on the Mount, for example, he, had, he, he delivered a, an address about the moral standards that human beings are expected to live up to. And people mm-hmm. marvel at the standards that he set forth. What they don't reconcile and don't even address is the fact that no one can live up to those standards. Right. They're impossibly exacting standards. They are, uh, they are delivered by a man, a God-man, Jesus Christ, who is anything but indifferent to sin. But the reason he, he points this out is so we will know that we are inadequate to live up to the standard right. and we need to lean on him in right. order to avail well, ourselves of his substitutionary sacrifice. Right. Well, Christians and non-Christians all like to, to cherry pick the Bible and pull out, you know, what supports their particular uh, agenda. Do you believe that it is the word of God and it is um, trying to, I guess I don't need to be politically correct. Um, are you a fundamentalist? Well, I don't like that term, but I Why believe not? the Bible's inspired because it's pejorative. It's intended to be uh, described bitter, cleaner kooks. Oh, I'm not a see, kook. well, see, as a Christian, I, I I view it as somebody like myself who believes it's the Word of God, and I well, and, and well, that's how I view it. Well, well, good. Because you're a Christian, but in, in outside circles, uh, they don't believe. I just want to explain what I believe. Forget labels. Right. I'm a fundamentalist in in uh, the sense that I believe that the Bible is the inspired, inerrant Word of God. That's right. the question, whatever, whatever right. you call it. Now, I'm just saying the fundamentalists are, are viewed as some rigid Puritans who have no sense of humor and all that. Right. I am not that. So, But I definitely believe it's the inspired Word of God, and I'm excited about the fact that it is. When you hold the Bible in your hands, mm-hmm. you're holding a divine communication from the God of the universe, and that's pretty exciting. Right. It is to me. And one of the things that I find so exciting is that we don't have to worry about the fact that we can never be good enough. And That's the exactly Bible says right. two things about God, that he, he is love, but that, he, that you know, he, um, he will judge. By no means will the wages of sin go unpunished. And the good news is that, you know, we have salvation and that we, I don't have to worry about being good enough. Um, I, I just I think it's important that 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 those of us who are Christians, those of us who believe it is the word of God, that we don't have to be ashamed if there are certain passages and certain beliefs in, in, in the Bible that don't match today's uh, feel good world. No, and, and I make no apology for that. Like you, uh, of course, they don't match it because the world is at war with God and God's word. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're in a spiritual war. And, mm-hmm. and uh, by the way. 
in, in Genesis 3.15, God told the serpent that this was his first announcement of the gospel. He said, there will be enmity. He's talking to the serpent, representing Satan. There will be enmity between you and the seed of the woman and between her offspring, and, you and the woman, between her offspring and your offspring, mm-hmm. your offspring. And what he means is Christ is the seed of the woman. He's the only one ever born of a woman, not of a man. He was sired by the Holy Spirit, not by uh, Joseph. And mm-hmm. so I will put enmity, enmity between you two. There's going to be hostility throughout time between the spiritual warfare between Satan and Christ for souls. And that's what we're experiencing every day of the week in every place in the world. We see the manifestations of the spiritual warfare everywhere we go. That may sound kooky to people, but I'm going to tell you there are things that are inexplicable uh, by reference to logic alone. We have got the most immoral, perverse, depraved actions that are being glorified, not just not just excused, but glorified, such as killing babies in the womb right. and selling their body parts. We have, a, we have an entire institutional party, one of the major parties of the, of the United States political party, defending and glorifying the right to kill babies. And you mm. tell me th- this isn't a spiritual war. Absolutely. And I don't know if you were thinking as you were writing this at all about the war on, on not just a spiritual war amongst us, but there isn't to me... And I may sound like I'm being hyperbolic or bombastic, but there is a war on Christians going on. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this refugee situation to where we're being told if we're inhumane, if we don't want to bring these men off the battlefield from ISIS here. Meanwhile, Christ, our government is doing nothing to save Christians from being beheaded and crucified all around the world. There, there is a war on Christians and uh, globally and has been forever. But there's specifically one going on in the United States, Christian Values are, I wrote a book about it in 2005 or four called Persecution, how Christians mm-hmm. are being discriminated against and abused. And not, to, not to make victims out of ourselves, that's not right. the point. Right. But we need to stand up for our religious liberties and not just sit back and act like we are apathetic and complacent and we don't care and, oh, God will take care of this. He didn't create us to be apathetic human right. beings. But I think we have a duty to engage in the culture mm-hmm. and in our political system to make lives better for ourselves and our kids and grandkids. Yeah, I know so many Christians who say, you know what, God's got this, and, you know, I've read Revelations, and I know the end times are coming or whatever, so I'm just going to, you know, sit back and, you know, watch the voice or whatever and not pay attention. And I say, you know what, from my last breath, I'm going to do everything that I can to be a force uh, for the Lord and for, you know, traditional values to the end. What are some of the values and key messages and themes of the book that you want readers to take away? Well, again, this, this book is not about the culture war. This book okay, is about right. the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And so what I want people to, this is a primer on the Old Testament. This is a, uh, where I go through every book in the Old Testament and summarize what it's about. And then I show specifically how each book points to Jesus Christ. I have two chapters uh, devoted to outlining and summarizing Old Testament history because people tend to be uh, put off, intimidated, confused by the Old Testament, the flow of it. I yeah. show all the specific ways that Christ is foreshadowed, prefigured, prophesied, and uh, shown in typology and through the covenants in the Old Testament. And I take you through all those categories of Christ's uh, foreshadowings, and then I show you exactly how it, it happens in every book. So my goal here, I wrote the book, I was telling my brother, I wrote the book that I wish I'd had 25 20 to 25 years ago when I became a Christian, and I wanted to learn about the Bible and how Christ was at the center of it. 
I wanted to get a jump start. I wanted somebody to help me, guide my hand, lead my hand, show me uh, a little bit about the Bible so I could understand it and read it better for myself. Mm -hmm. There's no substitute for reading Scripture. My book doesn't compare to the Bible. I hope it helps energize people uh, and and, and ignite a, a fire in them so that they'll go read the Word of God themselves. Yeah. Which, um, is it the King's James Version? Which version of Scriptures did you use as a basis? I, I use the English Standard Version. But, you know, I, I am not one of these people to get hung up on the version. As long yeah, me as neither. An accredit, accredited uh, Bible translation. There's all different kinds of different methods. As long as it stays true uh, to the Word, mm-hmm. uh, I'm good with it. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, so many people... Like me, you know, we because the good news is so uplifting, it's so exciting to read the New Testament. We do forget about the Old Testament. And so I'm excited to have something that's going to kind of break it down for me and make it less intimidating for me to sit down and, and like you say, read the Old Testament. It, so it, is it kind of does it read kind of like a uh, like a study guide or does it read like a companion to the Bible? How would you describe that? Yeah, yeah in a way, a companion to the Bible. But I try to put in my own words uh what exactly I see in, in, the, in the Old Testament pointing to Christ and how the Old Testament relates to the New Testament, how it's foundational, how, like Paul says, the Apostle Paul says, the Old Testament, and I mean, the law is our guardian leading us to Christ. It shows us the, our depravity, so it shows us how much we need Christ, because mm-hmm. apart from him, we can't uh, save ourselves through our own good works. So the, the it's part one of a two-act play, and I I kind of lead people through that in my kind of my own experience, what I've experienced, and try to point people to the scriptures that show how Christ is center, central. And I quote so many scholars, uh, the giants upon whose shoulders we all sit, mm-hmm. because I want to share some of their wisdom and their eloquence, because that itself blows me away, reading right. some of these greats. And, you know, this is a timeless message. So we've got 2,000 years of literature people, Mm -hmm. reliable Christians who have interpreted these things for us and can put it in words that you just won't believe. Last question. You say that um, you don't want people to be misled into believing that the Bible is a written record of a man's search for God, that on the contrary, it's about God's search for man. What do you mean by that? Well, that's taken from some, uh, some, one of these great scholars, biblical scholars, and what he's saying is, now, we, we're not, and what I've said elsewhere, we can try to figure out who God is. In fact, I used to do that before I became a believer, philosophize. Here's what I think God would be. And I want, he'd be a nice person. He'd be a nice being. He'd be all loving. He'd be, this is what I think. But the truth is, God, you don't have to guess what he's like because he's told us what he's like in his inspired word. And finally, I realized that. Guys, I don't have to reinvent the wheel. He's revealed himself in nature. He's revealed himself through Jesus Christ, and he's revealed himself in the Old and New Testaments of Scripture. And so God is, we're not, it's not us searching for God. God's searching for us in this sense. When he asks for Adam, Adam, where are you in the garden? He's not saying, yeah, and omniscient God obviously knows physically where Adam is. What he's really asking, this is a universal question, where are you with me? How do you, mm-hmm. how are you how is your relationship with me? I am here. I stand ready, willing and able to embrace you in love for an eternal relationship. I ask that you seek me through Jesus Christ through faith in him. Lean on me. Where are you with me? Get right with me through faith in my son. That's that's what I think this is about. 
Well, you know, I want to leave it there because to me, that's what my relationship with the Lord is about. It's about him always being with me and that personal connection that I have with him. And I think this book sounds like it's perfect for non-believers, perfect for people who might have, you know, become a Christian, but then kind of slowly, you know, got away from practicing their faith or, or, you know, maybe they've fallen onto tough times and they need to be reminded as to what it's all about. And, you know, so I can't think of a better gift for everybody at Christmas time. How can they get the book? Uh, it's in all the bookstores and Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Costco, Sam's, Walmart. Well, I don't know about Walmart. I hope it's a Walmart. I think it's a Walmart. I think they finally ordered it. So, yeah, it's pretty exciting. Um, and I really appreciate uh, you interviewing me. Uh, well, thank you so much for being on today. And um, thank you again. Happy Thanksgiving. You too. Take right. care. Bye-bye now. Bye. I just love David Limbaugh. He is just such a gentleman. I think the first time I had him on a show... It was about a book he had written about uh, President Obama, The Great Destroyer. And it was it took me days to prep for that interview because of the enormous research that he did involving the variety of it was about economics and Marxism. And there was so much data and information in there. And if the American people would just start getting educated themselves and stop buying into the mainstream media and the propaganda from the left, we would certainly all be better off. And if people got that book, you know, Peggy made a great comment on Facebook that we're not going to defeat ISIS or any of the enemies that we face through the military or through government control and all the different policies and different shenanigans. We really need to get back to what made this country the greatest force for good in the world. It's why we became so prosperous. We were blessed because we were a nation that was founded on Judeo-Christian principles. We need to get on our knees. And that's one reason why I wanted to give time to David Limbaugh's book tonight. And I appreciate you all uh, listening to that. And I'm going to be giving out his book, The Emmaus Code, as gifts to people. Speaking of gifts and Thanksgiving, I interviewed him last week before Thanksgiving. Yeah, I went out on Black Friday, got up, powered up on my caffeine, ready to go handle some business, Todd. I started out at Saxaw Fifth down in Mission Valley. I don't know if you go there. I thought, yeah, I better get there early, face the crowds. I had my Elmo pads on. Not that things get too hairy when you're shopping at a Saks, but it was the Saks off fifth. So, you know, I was prepared for any. The place was dead. And I thought I got there late. I got there like nine o'clock. I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm going to face hordes. I don't know what all this fuss was about. Everybody talking about how it was all evil out there and it was terrible and stay home because it's just going to be a madhouse. Other than maybe a few Walmart situation. I'm not one that, that goes out at two o'clock in the morning after Thanksgiving to try to get a 50 inch, you know, plasma for a dollar ninety nine. You know, I mean, that ain't how I roll. I'm trying to find, you know, a, you know, <clears throat> Pour le victoire handbag for sacks <laughs> marked down from $600 down to something more affordable for me. That's kind of how I roll. Um, but anyway, it was dead. And now I, I find reports out. I was reading today trying to get some Black Friday stats. I guess it was about $150 million day, but most of the shopping was really online. Today is Cyber Monday. I don't know about all you Christmas shoppers who who buy online. I'm not an online shopper. I like a brick-and-mortar store. I want to be able to touch that handbag, smell that good leather. I want to be able to take it home, keep the tags on, and if for some reason I decide I don't want to keep it, then I can return it. You know, I just I don't really like online shopping. That's not my thing. 
But if you do, I'm, I'm going to be curious tomorrow to find out what the numbers were today for Cyber Monday and report it right here on the Andrea K. Show tomorrow night at 8 p.m. So I'm going to be interested to find out to you. You guys post on Facebook. What If you are a Cyber Monday shopper and if you did do some Cyber Monday shopping, I'm not really sure since I don't do any online shopping. I'm not really sure if the deals are any better today than any other day of the year. It seems like every day everybody's having a sale. So, so much of the sales stuff is, is just hyped. So, you know, did you want to say something, Todd? I was just going to ask, did you get anything, any treasures besides that uh, Saks Fifth Avenue? Actually, I didn't because I'm one who actually does regular shopping. And that's one reason why I'm not sure if Cyber Monday has actually got any better deals than any other day. Because Saks Fifth Avenue had all the same merchandise they always do at pretty much all the same rate. So at price, so did Nordstrom and Macy's. And I think it's because retailers in general, there's Macy's around the nation that are closing. And I think one in Mission Valley Mall or maybe even the Fashion Valley Mall mall might be closing retailers have been hit hard and i also like to shop at and support small business owners and entrepreneurs i love to go to local shops around san diego so that's where i do a lot of my shopping local retailers um i've got it i go to charity events i've got a charity event i'm going to thursday night going to support my friend who's got a boutique and boutique so that's where i do a lot of my shopping really well, on saturday it's uh, isn't the after black friday small business saturday Oh, see, I didn't know that. Yeah, and I, uh, my my father and and sister have a tradition of going to Warwick's on Small Business oh, Saturday because they always get have deals at Warwick's in La Jolla. I should have gone to Warwick's. I actually had them on close up. I love that store. That's where I've I, well, I've bought so many of from daytimers and planners. They've got everything there from you know housewares and gifts. It's just a phenomenal local business. I love them there at Warwick's. I didn't know about that or I would have gone there Saturday instead of going there. I usually hit them up the first week of January because that's when I get my new ca- calendar for the year and get everything, get my office decked out. So yeah, I do love Warwick's. That's where they have most of the book signings. So if somebody like a David, I actually got a book from Carl Rove back when I was a Rove fan. I'm no longer a Rove fan, okay? Take your establishment stuff elsewhere. Anyway, we've got a few minutes left. <clears throat> Do we have an update on tonight's Monday Night Football game, Todd? Yeah, the, the Ravens won it with a blocked field goal at the very last uh, second there. Really? They blocked a field goal and ran it back for a touchdown to beat no. the Cleveland Browns 33-27. to Wow. I love you don't see you don't hardly ever see a block field goal, let no. alone one that's run back for a touchdown. Yeah. I love that. I love exciting games like that. I last night's game, I don't know if you watched that time, was really exciting between I didn't, I didn't care really, Denver or, you know, New England. Neither one I don't like or dislike either team. I think Brady is a genius, but you know, I didn't really care. I was only like part way paying attention until towards the end, but my understanding is people are really upset at the refs saying they really gave the game to Denver. I don't know if that's true or not. There was some very questionable calls at the very end. There was a uh, offense, uh, offensive pass interference, which you hardly ever see c- called on uh, Gronkowski. Those are and usually Bush. Those are usually call. Bush calls. I- offensive, I- you know, pass interference. But you know, I don't like that. But you know what? I also don't like too much complaining about it because I think really every team every year could say that one game was really affected by the outcome of the refs. I keep every time I talk about that, I think about the Chargers in Denver with Hockley. Remember that? Oh, yeah. yeah. I hate, still hate Ed Hockley. Oh. 
He wears his shirts way too tight. I he wears know. like a shirt one size too small. In fact, I'm friends with an NFL um, <clears throat> referee who was at the game. It was one of his first NFL games that he officiated there with Hockley. And he said the guy could not leave the airport. He was literally a pariah and was literally his life was threatened that night. But getting back to, oh, that ties me back into my open because we were talking about threats that we face as a nation. Our greatest threat that we face is not climate change. Shame on anybody out there, American, who's actually going to believe it, because there is absolutely no science to back that up. Even if you believe in the notion that that man-made carbon footprint or how big your garden is and how much water you use is some kind of threat to the, to the environment, it's not as imminent a threat as what ISIS plans to do to us here in the States or all Islamic radicals. So we're going to keep the eye on that ball. You do the same. I'm going to be right back here tomorrow night. First of all, at six o'clock on the Craig Sewing Show and then at eight o'clock for the Andrea K Show. So join me here tomorrow night. Love you all. Have a great night. See you then. The Andrea K Show on AM 1170. The Answer is sponsored by Andrea K.